to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, welcome to another episode of Digging for the Truth. And tonight we have Melissa Ponder back in the studio. Thank you. Glad to be back. I'm so glad that you're here. And tonight we're going to actually be talking about a pretty interesting story, um, and one that I don't even fully know. You've told me bits and pieces over the years. Correct. But I'm kind of really excited to unpack this whole thing and to share it. Um, yes, with everybody. With everybody. So tonight, I'm just gonna I'm gonna start. We're gonna start with kind of the bombshell of the whole message and why we're here, and that is, you were married to a pastor for yes. six years. Correct. Had two children. Yes. And you came to the realization that you weren't saved. Bingo. Man, I mean, I'll tell you what, if we're getting into the meat <laughs> fast tonight. I just felt like we needed to start right there because, um, you know, I want, before we start kind of unpacking all this, I mean, that right there is what the whole message is about. And not only that, there's, there's a lot of things that we're going to unpack here tonight, but just to come to that realization and then to take action. Yes. But before we get to action, I got to know, how did you get to this point? So let's go all the way back. All the way back back to the beginning. Yeah, all the way back to the beginning. And just kind of tell tell us, so, okay, where did you grow up? Were you in church? All that. I mean, let's kind of unpack this thing. So um, I was born into a family that was faith-centered. Yeah. And both my parents' sides of the family were faith-centered. I even had a great-great-grandfather that was, um, I think they called them circuit pastors. Oh, yeah traveled and took Going, care of yeah. several bodies yeah. of believers and and my grandfather would tell me amazing stories about him so yes I grew up in a home that was centered around God centered around the Bible um, we talked about God we talked about Jesus we talked about scriptures I knew the stories of uh, all the amazing just common people in the Bible and how God used them I knew all that okay in fact uh, my dad was in full-time ministry so he was, what did it, what, so we'll stop right there for a minute. So tell me about your dad. So he, this was probably, this was back in the seventies, um, late seventies. And he, that was back when you couldn't just do youth and you couldn't just do music. So he did music and youth. So, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Had to have a dual role. Um, so I tell people we, if we weren't just at the church every time the doors were open. A lot of times we were opening the doors. Yeah. So we were there all the time. Um, and we, I loved church and I loved my church friends and my church family and um, just everything. So, and but also, so let's just talk about from a value standpoint, you agreed with the values. Correct. And the principles, and the godly principle. principles. Yeah. yeah. So, so there, there, I mean, you were, you were, I mean, I was an honest kid. I was grounded in it. I mean, you're a good kid. I was a firstborn people pleaser you know, all that kind of stuff and do the right thing. So, um, yeah. So, you know, learning the 10 commandments and doing the right things that was, that wasn't hard. So, 
Well, this is this is a great testimony because I, I just want to point out. I mean, see, Bible knowledge is not salvation. No, you know, and that's where this whole thing's leading because you knew a lot about the Bible, but Correct. you did not have a relationship. So let's look. Let's pick up. So your dad was full time. Full time uh, ministry. ministry. So this is uh, late seventies, and I don't know if you remember uh, the church uh, leaders and deacons and whatever they would do weekly visitation. I kind of don't even remember that. I I grew up in a different... Well, in yeah. East Texas, they okay. did weekly visitations where they would go um, ha- make house visits to um, uh, check on maybe first-time guests. That makes sense. Uh, but especially just in, in those visits, they were sharing the gospel, and they were making sure that the people that they were visiting were saved. Ha- have you been born again? Do you have a salvation story? So those were things he did every Tuesday night. Gotcha. So I was about seven years old, and uh, this was a Tuesday night when he was gone, and I was just asking my mom questions. You know, why do they do this every week? What are they doing? All this kind of stuff. She shared how they are going out and sharing the gospel and making sure that people are saved and how reminding, telling me stuff I'd, I've already learned. Yeah, you've heard it. But, but that yeah. we need Jesus because of our sin. We need Jesus. He died on the cross for us. It allows us to have a relationship with God. And when we ask him to be our savior, we're born again. And then we have an eternal home in heaven. Well, my goodness, everybody should do this. I'm going to do this. I want to do this. And so she walked me through uh, a, a simple salvation prayer. And that night I prayed the prayer. And then, you know, my dad comes home. We let him know. Well, then they schedule a visit with me to see the pastor. And this is the funny part. So I'm seven years old and my mom is having to drag me literally dragged me to the pastor's pastor's office office, yeah i did not want to go to that guy's office he scared me to death (laughs) because most of his sermons he was um angry fire and brimstone kind of (laughs) so angry just loud volume and yelling from the pulpit and i've been told i'm loud well yours is different oh okay (laughs) (laughs) his was his tone and it, I was scared to death, and so, like, literally, heels in the tile dragging me to his office, and um, just a scared little girl did not want to talk to him, um, all that kind of stuff, um, but we went to see him because we needed to talk about baptism, believer's baptism. Gotcha, yep. Okay, so... Got, made it through that. I was baptized. Uh, we celebrated. I was happy. All the good, all the good things, all the good vibes. Well, uh, rock and roll along at seven. Like I said, I'm a firstborn people pleaser, mm-hmm. so I didn't need to. Or behavior didn't change a whole lot. There weren't a lot of major character changes that you would have picked on, picked up on, and seen. Um, but. What happened next was about three years down the road, my dad made uh, some immoral choices that cost him his family and his ministry. Gotcha. And so as a 10-year-old little girl, I was devastated, yeah, heartbroken, and um, just my whole world crumbled. Yeah. So I just found myself in a very... Uh, unsure, unsecure, scared place. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, my dad did move out of the house because of those choices. 
And so it was my sister and me and my mom. And I can tell you uh, of many nights of going uh, after my mom and sister would be in bed and be asleep. I would go to the bathroom and just curl up on the floor or get on my knees on the floor and just cry out to God and just begging him, Lord, please fix our family. Put us back together and make us a family again. And this went on for years. And um, the chaos of the back and forth and the um, forgiveness and the healing and the make another choice again. And it was just back and forth. And this went on for about five years. That's a long time. And very formidable years. Yes. So you're, we're talking about 10 to 15, 16. So you're going from basically it's, kid into teenage. Yeah. Yes. So... When I was 15, the beginning of my sophomore year in high school, about the same time school started, their divorce was final. Mm. And um, by that point, after five years of starting out, crying out to God and asking for him to fix our family and heal us, and there being no change, and it ended up in divorce, by the time I was 15, I didn't care. I was done. I yeah. had decided in my heart, in my head, that God didn't care. And if God doesn't care, why should I care? And well, so, the enemy's a punk, isn't he? And so I didn't care about, um, I didn't care anymore about uh, trying to live a godly life. I didn't care anymore about trying to do the right thing, about trying to be the right person. Um, I didn't care what people thought of me. I just didn't care about anything. And an I don't care attitude will take you down a road. Oh, yeah, you quickly. Not want to go down. <laughs> Trust me, I, I've, I've been there personally, so I understand. So, because of that, my high school years, uh, I made a lot of stupid mistakes. A lot of stupid mistakes. I did a lot of stupid stuff. Mm. Um, I sh it's a miracle I'm alive today. Oh, I have that same testimony. So, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> When I so during that sophomore year, uh, that spring, I reluct reluctantly went on a weekend retreat with our youth ministry at the church that my mom and my sister and I attended. And I, the only reason I went was because I talked my friend into going with me. She, she was from a divorced home. We had the same attitudes. We lived the same lifestyle. And I was like, hey, come go with me. They're going to make me go. I don't want to go. You go with me. Let's just do this together. So we go to this little weekend retreat. And um, I believe it was the last session. And they really gave a strong call to salvation. And standing there, I knew the Lord was calling my name. And I was like, what? That, what? That's a feeling you didn't expect. I did not. And so I, but I didn't say anything to anyone. I did talk to my mom when I got home, but kind of even before I started talking to her, I kind of already decided in my heart that, listen, this isn't salvation because when I was seven, I prayed a prayer and I was baptized. Yeah. So I just need to quit acting like a stupid person and get back to living the right way, making good choices and doing the right things. And so I decided that weekend that I was good salvation-wise. I had been saved. I had been born again. I just needed to quit living a I-don't-care life. And I needed to start living a Jesus life. And, um, and my mom even agreed. 
and because you know she was there when I was seven and so we talked through it and we both said yeah 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 you've just been doing stupid stuff making stupid mistakes you just need to do the right thing which would be repentance Mm -hmm. so I had decided I needed to clean my act up and start acting like a believer so so now okay so you so you've gone through some level of repentance here I mean, recognizing that you weren't living right, but you the problem was is that the Lord was tugging on your heart that that night, and you just felt it more like, eh, he's just kind of— conviction. It's conviction. He, he's just I getting on living. to me because yes. I've not been doing right by what I know is right. That's how I explained it to myself. That's how I explained myself out of it. Gotcha, yeah. Yes. So. But, but let me, I'm going to—hold on, though. In that moment, though, I'm just asking, do you remember? I mean, do you know in that moment what he was doing? Oh, yeah. You knew right yes. then? yes. But then you talked yourself out of it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, have a question for you. Okay. Because a lot of people, and I get it, I can see where maybe sometimes he would do this, but they'll say the enemy will make you doubt your salvation. Why would he do that? Because wouldn't that lead you to salvation? You would think so. You would think so. I can tell you from a personal, I, I knew I was lost. I mean, I was a complete moron, um, and I can tell you, this isn't about me tonight, but I can tell you the exact date, May 22nd, 1994, and I mean, anytime the enemy comes at me and tries to, I think that I think that all people struggle to some level of unbelief, okay, yes. especially when you're going through hard times, yes. and you're struggling in relationships, and I think that's when the enemy shows up when you're tired and you're weak, and I might be speaking out of turn for some people, but that might be when they, they, they doubt things. Maybe. I don't know, but maybe, if, if, if somebody says that, maybe that's... The circumstances are saying it under. Well, I know that people, uh, they explained it that way back then. and They and ex- I, say that again. They explained it. What, what, what? That the enemy was making me doubt my salvation. Okay. Okay. I got you. Well, my word, if someone had not explained that to me, maybe this would have been solved when I was 15. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you this. I've never, I've never said that to anybody before, actually. I mean, I've never said to somebody. I've, I've never said that to a person in my life. Now, I've, I've had people you know, struggle with unbelief, but then we talk, we get back to it and they know that exact moment. Yeah. Okay. When you know, you know. And that's, that's what it comes down to. Exactly. Yeah. So, so. okay. So now we're well into high school years. Um, I try to do a good job, try to be that good little girl like I'm supposed to be, right? Um, it lasts for just maybe a summer. <laughs> so. Well, um, anything, <clears throat> sorry, I swallowed wrong there. Uh-oh. <coughs> Whenever it's not real, you, you know, can't do it in you, your own no, strength. No, your your own strength, your own ability <clears throat> is not going to live. Mm-mm. So you can you can keep it's just like working out. You know, you talk about discipline and all this kind of stuff. If you, I know these people that'll say they'll be gung ho for like a year or two, and then they quit, they burn out. Well, it's because they never really got it. But when it comes to our faith, or yes. quitting something, or being freed of addiction, um, any of those things, if you don't have Jesus in the middle of it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Take Faith City. All, they have a faith-based, you know, um, a, a program. It's a year long, and it's the only one I've seen really work. Now, you still have people come, you know, fall out, but the ones who really dedicate their hearts to God, they get saved. The recidivism rate on that is extremely low. Right. It's because God's in the middle of the healing, not your own will, which will fail. Exactly. Exactly. And so in this case, you hung on for a little bit, but back to always. About a summer. About a summer. <laughs> So I go into my junior year and just full force ahead, just, oh my goodness, living for myself, living for moments of pleasure, 
um, yeah, just totally, it was all about me, all about me. And um, graduated from high school, went into college, uh, uh, actually ended up at a, a East Texas Baptist University. So it's kind of ironic. I know. It's like, what in the world? I was like the poster child for uh, what not to be. And then here I was enrolling in a Baptist yeah. school. Hey, so. you know what? There's a lot of those schools like that. I, I, yes. I remember, you know, just the Trinity Fellowship when they used to have a, a high school. Yes. Every kid that I knew that went there, they were the most honorary ones in town. And they, they'd ended up there because their parents said, well, if I put them in a if Christian school. If I put school, them there, it'll yeah, fix them. Yeah, but it, it didn't work <laughs> usually. So, <laughs> so um, the week before classes started my freshman year, you know, that's when they have all the uh, freshman orientation. They want you to get to know people and make friends and blah, blah, blah. Well, I was uh, too, too cool for school. And I thought all that stuff was stupid. And so I was like just avoiding things, only going to things that I had to go to. But my roommate, she was Miss Socialite, and she was making friends with all these people. And um, every once in a while, she would connect me with some of them. So I was getting like these little 30-second, one-minute connections, uh, meeting these people that she was becoming friends with. And um, then it came down to the weekend, and I was choosing to go home one more time uh, before classes started that Monday. So I go home for the weekend to go hang out with my real friends. Yeah. To go do stupid stuff that I shouldn't be doing. But um, anyway, on Friday night, that night, uh, late in the night, uh, Jeff always says nothing good happens after midnight. But um, <laughs> it, it depends. I mean, I've had a, I've had a few midnight snacks that weren't too bad. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> but um, I rolled my vehicle. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And um, I had two passengers in the vehicle. And when we when we landed, uh, which was pretty cool the way we landed, it was like <laughs> a like perfectly parallel parked in this one spot. So it would have been really cool if it had been <laughs> shot in an action film? Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Like I was a cool stunt driver. <laughs> yeah. so. But um, anyway, we walked away with just barely scratches. And uh, I was like, oh, my goodness, I couldn't believe it just happened. I still wasn't thinking like, I still didn't think about like God's hand was in that. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I just wrecked my vehicle. (laughs) With a Valley Girl accent and everything. Pretty much, pretty much. So um, I finished out the weekend at home. Of course, my vehicle was totaled. And so I had to get a ride back to campus. My dad took me back to campus and um well real quick what so what was your family's thoughts at this point on i mean you 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 total your vehicle they probably know you're up to no good yes my mom knew i tried to convince her that uh it was y'all, were a total re- y'all were reading accident. the Bible before y'all were having the ac- before the accident. Yeah, I tried to convince her it was a total accident that there was nothing that I had done before the incident that could have caused the accident. <laughs> so um, yeah, we be- just kind of just closed the book and didn't talk about it. Gotcha. So uh, I was not ticketed. Apparently, back then there had to be a witness to be a ticket. So there was nothing on my record. There were no. The other two passengers were fine, so no one charged me with anything or anything like that. So it got off pretty easy. Did it wake you up at all? Well, what happened next did. Oh, gotcha. So my dad takes me back to campus, 
and um, I walk into the dorm, and my roommate is like, oh, hey, we're so glad you're back. How was your weekend? And I was like, ugh, it was terrible. I rolled my vehicle. I don't have a car now. This is so stupid. Life is stupid. You're worried about not having wheels instead of thinking, yes. praise Jesus, I am alive. Exactly. <laughs> you're kind of missing the whole point here. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I'm telling her this, and she just goes white as a ghost, and I'm like, What's oh, up? I know where this is going. What's up with you? I'm the one that lost my vehicle. You know, you. Anyway, she's like, after you unpack, you need to come downstairs. It's like, okay. So I go get everything settled, back, put in my room. I tell my family bye. And then I go over and because she's hanging out in the lobby with all these new friends that she's made. Right. And yeah. uh, so she brings me over and she I won't say she reintroduced me to this one person, but, uh, and I can't even remember his name these days, but anyway, she said, uh, he has something to tell you. And I was like, okay. And so he had chosen to go home that weekend as well. And so while he's at home, uh, he's getting ready to go to bed Friday night before he goes to bed, he's reading his Bible. He's praying to the Lord and the Lord told him to pray for Melissa. We had just <laughs> met maybe yeah. less than a minute that week. I did not know this. Don't dude. you love Jesus, how he does that? Well, I mean. here's, what, here's what went through my head. Now, I'm white as a ghost, and I'm like, can I say this? I was like, oh, crap. Oh, yeah, it's been said on the podcast before. <laughs> We're good. It's like, oh, crap, Jesus sees everything I do, and he tells people <laughs> about it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> anyway, I'm like, I, I told him, I was like, what time was this? And he told me, and it was when we were rolling. Wow. And I was like, oh, my word. I've got to get my life together. This has got to end, you know, all this. Okay, so stop. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, you've got to know. I mean, th I mean, God has saved you. I mean, you've had that tug on your heart, so you know where you're really at. You've tried doing it on your own. Didn't work. And here's a guy. I mean, this is a – I mean, a guy you – can't, you can't make this up. A guy – Tells you, he tells you the time before you, I mean, God has laid this whole thing I out. Know. I mean, if ever there was a big flashing sign that says now's the time, right? That I should have seen, but I was blind. Yeah, well, that happens a lot. It happened to Paul. It happens to a lot. <laughs> happened to yes. Paul. Yes. Our eyes aren't open until he opens them. Removes the skills. Yes. So, so this is my freshman year in college, and I have now decided that um, I need to start living my life for Christ. Okay. So, um, and I'm in a good setting. I'm at a Baptist school. I have to go to chapel twice a week. Um, I'm in an old Testament class. Um, I joined a, a student led Bible study group. So I'm like knee deep in the word. I mean, it's all around me, so I couldn't escape it. And yeah. obviously, you know, on a campus like that, the peer pressure is to do the right thing rather than the opposite. I could see that. Back then it was. I, I was going to say, I think these days, doesn't matter what campus you're on, it's True. pretty tough. But yeah, I, I could see that. I was usually the one leading the other people astray. Well, I surrounded myself with some good folks. And so um, it was easier to do the right thing. Um, I, I still had that character, those tendencies in me. And so it was easy to connect. I mean, like we could spot each other. Those who, oh, yeah. You yeah. can. That hey, spirits attract, man. It does. It yeah. does. And so I can't say I was perfect. Um, 
maybe I was just sneakier. I don't know. So, um, but I was trying to do right. I'll put it that way. So these group of friends that spring, um, we got tickets to a, a Christian artist concert. And so we're at this concert and, um, at the end, at the close, they get, they gave a strong call for salvation. And there it was again. You felt it. I was like, oh my gosh, wait a second. But when I was seven, I prayed that prayer and I was baptized. And so I talked myself out of it again. So how old are you at this point? 19. 19. Mm -hmm. Okay. 19. And um, yeah, I really wrestled with it, but I just, I'd always been taught if you pray this prayer and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, he will come into your heart and then you follow through with believer's baptism. Well, I did that. So I was like, I'm good. I'm good. I just need to surrender my life to him. Yeah. I, that, that's where I think everybody misses, <clears throat> but we're getting there. I don't want to get ahead. So um, that summer, I, uh, I got involved with the church where my sister attended. And, well, my sister attended, my sister lived with my dad, and they attended a church in East Texas. And I got involved in that church. Um, I was, they needed another female sponsor for youth trip is how it all started. All right. And so last minute, I get thrown into this trip. Uh, we go on this little kind of mission trip thing, and um, I got to be good friends with the senior and junior girls. Okay. Um, I ended up going on other weekend retrips, weekend retreat trips with them and that kind of stuff. Um, made some really good friends in there. Towards the end of the summer is when I realized that the youth pastor was interested in me. I wonder who that could have been. It was... The very well-known Jeff Ponder. <laughs> Back then, he had hair. Oh yes, and a mustache. And oh, I want to. Now, I've never seen a picture with a mustache. You're gonna have to dig that out. Natalie cannot believe that I said yes yeah. to a man with a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, I mean, the era, you know, yes. I mean, was yes. kind of back in a little bit. So um, apparently, he had been uh, dropping hints all summer. I just so happened to be the president of the Man Haters Club that summer, <laughs> and so I was missing them all. But by being involved with that youth ministry that summer, the Lord kind of softened my heart, and I thought, you know, maybe I should give men an, another chance. Uh, that's when I realized that he had interest in me, and I was just blown away. I was like, what? There's no way. He doesn't know who I am. Uh, he asked me on our first date just before classes started that semester, and um, we started dating, and it didn't take long for me to realize this could be serious. Yeah. And so I knew I had to tell him about who I was and who I had been. Let's put it that way. And he accepted me, even though he, he was the poster child of how you should live in high school and college. Yeah, we, we won't compare us to no, him. Yeah, no. he's, yeah, he's, you know, he's over there walking on water while we're about there doing <laughs> stupid stuff. Yeah, I got you. Right, right. And so I just couldn't believe that he would give me a chance that he would have interest in me even after hearing all the truth. And so I knew I couldn't let this one get away. I mean, this guy was amazing, right? And, I agree. He's, pretty, uh, he's a pretty good dude. He just blew my socks off. And so... um. So we went on our first date 
uh, the end of August, first of September, somewhere in there. We had officially met that April. It was okay. the first time we had been introduced to each other. And this is August. We want to, yeah. So we had first introduced in April. Went on our first date like the end of August, first of September. Okay. It was really crazy because we had a lot of the same friends, uh, some of the same acquaintances, but we we had never met until I got involved with that ministry that summer. And so um, uh, at Christmas, he asked me to marry him. <laughs> and, Way to go, GFD. And on May 1st, we got married. So all that happened in about a year. So Well, that uh, sounds really fast. But just for the record, Brandon, I got you beat. By a long shot yes. from our first date till the uh, our when we got married was four months. Excellent. Yeah. Way so. to go. <laughs> well, I knew that before she found out all the, you know, scoop in the past, I better go ahead and wrap this deal up. Well, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> like Jesus. I mean, like when you know, you know. Oh, right? yeah. Well, so. and every, everybody else knew too. That was good. But anyway, I didn't. I, I, I digress. <laughs> anyway, so that's cool. So, okay. So where are you? Are y'all both still? You're both still in school at this, or you're in school at this point. Right. So Jeff had graduated. Yeah, yeah, he's, from, yeah he's, We actually went to the same college, um, but he graduated in 90 and I started in 91. Yeah. So I, I knew that as soon as that came out of my mouth. Yeah. But. So, um, so we get married, um, in Northeast Texas and about six months later, uh, we end up taking a call at a church in Arkansas. And so we moved to El Dorado, Arkansas, and uh, that would have been 1994. And um, that, was, that was an experience. There was a lot of stuff that happened there. That church was um, a, a large downtown, very wealthy church, a very prominent church. And um, we moved there, like I said, in 94. Brett was born in 95, and let me kind of walk through that for a little bit. So, um, you know, I really thought that uh, my life would have purpose when I got married, and um, not nothing against me or me and Jeff or our marriage or anything like that, but the new wore off. Oh, and, and, and I, I think I already know where you're going with this, because here we are, though. You talked about, you said purpose. Well... We've got to get back to that identity thing, right? Yes, yes. Uh, and so when the new wore off, I thought, well, if I had a kid. Yeah. Kept go- the, the next thing, the next thing. I got you. I, I know exactly. Yes. So, so we started our family, and Brett was born in December of 95. One week after Brett was born, Jeff cut our pastor down from the ceiling. And that's, he committed suicide. That is a that's a horrible story. It's and a horrible and I, story. at some point we're gonna there's gonna be some really neat things we're working on. I don't I'm gonna just a little plug here, but we're we're working on some basically a documentary about our church, um, and our pastors and where we're not, not only where we've come from, but where we're going. And so we'll actually touch on that. Yes. In that, but it's like wow. So that whole week, I mean, you're going from the highest high to the lowest low, and. As, I can't even imagine. Yes, and so, you know, trying to explain to students, because we were doing student ministry at the time, and trying to explain to students what was going on, and, and ourselves trying to figure out what's going on, and but trying to stay connected together as husband and wife, trying to figure out this whole new mother thing. I mean, Brett was not a very easy baby, and um, there were moments where I was like, 
I just had to set him in the middle of the bed and walk away because you're angry because yeah. I had fed him. He had a dry diaper. There was absolutely no reason for him to be crying. And I all of a sudden realized how women can uh, make some really big mistakes. And I get so, it. I, get it. I mean, it was just all this pressure and um, just overwhelming. Just life was overwhelming. And uh, I remember looking just for uh, for purpose, for for joy, for um, peace, just different things, you know, and just not finding it. Yeah. Um, we had a great marriage. We had a great home. We we had started our family. We had a surprise with the baby sixteen months later. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, woo, here we go. So, um, you know, all the pi- the picture looked great on the outside, yet on the inside, I was struggling, and um, it it just kept growing darker and darker. And I thought that the church, I mean, you can imagine what a church goes through when the pastor commits suicide. And so it was heavy at church. The church was struggling. Um, They were trying to figure out um, what to do with the leader. Who do we hire? There's some healing that needs to happen to start with. Oh, yeah. Um, Just all those questions and all all that weight and... um, it, it just, there never seemed to be any resolve. There came an opportunity. They did hire someone. It didn't bring new life to the church. It brought new leadership and I uh, would say new direction, but there was still just a heaviness in that church. And so a church from East Texas called us and we had the opportunity to go back to Texas and we've, we knew God was in that call it wasn't just a coincidence, but for me personally, I thought, yes, I'm finally going to get out of this dark pit called South Arkansas and get back to God's homeland, Texas. <laughs> well, and <laughs> it's a step in the right direction, but that dark pit can follow you. <laughs> and if I have any Arkansas people out there, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, was it El Dorado? El Dorado? El Dorado. Yeah, El Dorado. Oh, yeah, if you say El Dorado, El Dorado, that will, they will uh, they're, they're, I'm going to be, ex- I'll never go there then because exactly. if they hear this, then they'll execute me. Gotcha. Exactly. So, um, anyway, we get to uh, Northeast Texas again. This church was actually in my hometown. That's so pretty crazy. I was super excited. Yeah. I was like, Jeff, I know exactly what neighborhood we need to buy in because we're a couple years from the kids starting school. We got to make sure we're in the right neighborhood so that we're in the right school district, blah, blah, blah. We had grandparents. We had great grandparents. I mean, we could go out anytime we wanted to and have Built free in babysitters. babysitting. Yeah, that's awesome. So it was a win-win. And we were back in Texas. So I was like, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The sun's going to come out. And, you know, life is going to be good again. So we get in the right neighborhood. We got the perfect house. We uh, made a few little updates to personalize it for ourselves. This church was probably one of the first, this church was the first spirit-filled church I had ever been a member of. So, pause. <clears throat> so, well, this church that y'all were at, um, what, what was it a non-denominational? Was it a... Den- it was Baptist. Really? And I didn't mean they, to say that. I didn't mean to say that. If I sounded so surprised, I'm, I apologize if I just offended somebody. That's not it. I just did that's. Rare. They yeah. were rocking and rolling. That's awesome. 
And um, so Jeff and I had had experiences with uh, student camps. We had been involved in an organization that led student, student camps and organized all that. And so we knew what a spirit-filled worship service could, we knew what it was like. And this church was the first church that we had ever been a part of that mirrored that. And um, so it was, it was a breath of fresh air. I mean, yeah. it was full of life. It was full of joy. Um, the people were uh, genuine and authentic, and it it was a blessing. It was a major blessing. So we uh, get plugged in there. Our student ministry, uh, it exploded very quickly, and we had uh, quite the impact on the community. We were actually... Uh, ministering to students in three different school districts and watching them come together in unity. That's cool. It now, so you're in East Texas. Cool. I mean, so I, is it a, is it a fairly large community? Because a lot of East Texas is over there, or, or it uh, all yeah, the towns just overlap yeah. and blend in together. So, so. big big population is what I'm asking. So where y'all were at? Oh no, Longview Longview was less Longview. than a hundred thousand back then. Gotcha. So it's exploding down in that region now. Probably. So I don't I don't even keep up with that stuff anymore. But mm. um, but it was a uh, it was a blessing to be there, and it was a breath of fresh air. And our kids got uh, involved in the preschool ministry and all this kind of stuff, and everything was good. Uh, we went through the summer, um, you know, just settling in and finding our groove. That fall, um, I was actually part of a Bible study that is actually international, and I'd gotten connected with it in Arkansas. And this church was the host church for that Bible study. That's crazy. So, That's cool. So I got to plug right in that fall, and that fall we were studying Romans. Uh-oh, fixing to go down a Roman road here, I think. And so um, it was... It was just routine for me. There was nothing spectacular about it. I was just meeting new ladies through it. Uh, but I knew the routine. I knew all the rules. There were actually rules in this Bible study. Uh, and so anyway, I plugged right in and just got right back on track. Um, it didn't. I have to ask. I'm sorry. I can't get off the rules. What kind of rules? Like no cussing? I mean, <laughs> um, you, couldn't, you couldn't participate in discussions if you didn't do your homework. Okay. All right. Man. I just, you said rules, man. My, my mind's going like, well, you know, hey, there's no, you know, you no flasks, show, no whiskey, no sword fights, stuff like that. I was like, I didn't know how far we were taking it. You okay. had to show, I mean, like we had homework pages each week and you had to show that you answered all the questions and they were not like one word answers. I mean, like these were paragraphs and all this kind of stuff. I don't so think people stick with show. my life group very long if I made them do that. <laughs> It, I learned so much through those Bible studies. Though. Oh, I can imagine. Yes, yeah, because yes. they want to make sure you know the material. When you end, you end up with a commentary on that book. Whatever you're studying that year, by the end, you have your own personal commentary. It was amazing. So. You know, honestly, and I don't want to get too far off, but, you know, I was actually talking to somebody today, and I asked them, do you write in your Bible? They didn't even have a Bible to write. Yeah, I was looking over here, okay? And I was like, you know, <clears throat> I have a lot of Bibles. In fact, I kind of feel like it's a sin if you go to Mardell's and don't buy a new one. But, you know, I, I mean, I, every morning, I mean, I'm, you know, writing or marking or coloring or something. Just, it doesn't have to be anything, but that's the thing is that you go back, cause, or if you journal. I'm, I kind of go have seasons. I'm not, of, yeah. I, I'm not a big journaler either, but some people really are. Yes. Sometimes when I have a really significant dream, I'll write it down. Yes, if there's something significant. Yeah, I like want to write it down because I don't want to forget 
what you just said though, that that commentary. Sometimes though, then down the road you go back and you start going through it, and and then you, and then you think you know where you are and what you've gone through, and the Lord begins to remind you what He did for yes. you that season. Yes. So anyway, I didn't want to get out, but you said that commentary made me think of that. Yes. So um, so we're in the fall. Fall's kicking off. We're starting uh, new groups at the church. Uh, you know, there's always like a new surge when school starts yeah. back, and there's a new surge at church and that kind of stuff, and so. This Bible study started back in the fall as well. So there's this new surge of newness and stuff, but it didn't take long for the new to wear off. off. And I found myself, it's like every time I would get my hopes up for a new chapter, a new season, a hope for some sort of purpose, life, and joy, um, every time that wouldn't, uh, what's the word? Every time it wouldn't continue. Well, that's kind of the difference between happiness and joy. Yes. So so, you're kind of looking for the next happy thing because the happiness wore off this one. Now I need the next happy thing. And every time it would wear off and and I would fall, I would fall deeper and darker. Yeah. And so that was the fall of 1999. And I found myself, before Thanksgiving, it was so dark. So, Jeff, in this point. So you're feeling dark, but does Jeff know where you're at on this? I don't think he knows. I think I have hidden it very well. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no, I was just curious so, because when you get in that place, I mean, it's almost, it's really hard for it to not touch things, exactly, you know? Yeah, okay. Exactly. So, 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 so remember, I mean, since seven, I've known how to be the good little church girl. I know what it has to look like. Yeah. I know what it has to sound like. And so at church, I was the pastor's wife. I was the mom. I was the best friend. I was all those things. Um, but when I would get home, I would hide. I would hide in my bed. I would hide from the world. I would hide from everyone's expectations. I just wanted everyone just to leave me alone. And just I just didn't want I didn't, it got to a point where I didn't want to be. Gotcha. Yeah. So much so that, um, well, that's what the enemy and the accuser is going to do. I mean, whenever you get in those dark places, that's when he begins to really attack. Yes. And so Brett and Natalie, they were three and two at the time. I, to this day, do not know how they took care of themselves. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this. Mom could not get out of bed. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. It's God's grace. It's God's grace. It's, and, and I think that there's somebody listening right now. I, I guarantee you, I, I've heard this many times. You, you feel because you felt the way you look back on that, and the enemy wants to show up and try to guilt. But there's somebody, I think, going through this right now, okay? And just quit listening to the lies and the enemy and the shame, and let's listen to this next part. So um, I Jeff is a creature of habit. He does the same thing every day. So, I haven't noticed. Um, so he had a schedule. I knew it to a T. I knew when he would call because he would always call in the morning. So he would call. I would sit up so that my voice would have more volume. Hey, babe, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. The kids are great. Da-da-da. Have a great day. Okay, see you this afternoon. Da-da-da. Hide, in the, hide under the covers. Just hide from the world. I, was, I couldn't be what the world needed me to be. I just needed to hide. And then I knew when he would come home. So, and the more the weeks went on, the more the days went on, um, I would wait 
longer and longer and longer. But I knew at some point I would you have had to, to drag get yourself up, out. Yeah, to get up, make myself look presentable. Go see what did the kids do today. Uh, make sure it looks like we were productive, like we did something <laughs> worth talking about. Um, and then he would walk in the door. Hey, how are you? Oh, we were great. Oh, it was a great day. It was a beautiful day to go outside and play and blah, blah, blah. So this went on for weeks and weeks. And then about just before Thanksgiving, I came to the realization that I, I had to tell somebody. And I told Jeff, this isn't good. I'm... You're, I'm you're in the, I, I finally said the word. I'm in a very deep depression. And just telling him that brought some relief. Sure. And you're not sharing that burden. It's not, not hidden anymore. Yes, I wasn't hiding bring it anymore. In the light. I was just being honest. And through that honesty, uh, like I said, it brought relief. It brought back some hope. Um, it brought uh, not happiness or joy, but just hope for that. That, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I'm hoping for going, hope. Um, maybe I'm going to be on the right track now to finally find that joy, you know. And uh, we made a plan. It was right at Thanksgiving. And so trying to get in with a, a counselor or something was going to be difficult because of the schedule. But we were making a plan of what we were going to do to get me help. I needed help. And uh, anyway, we made it through Thanksgiving. I think we hosted that year too. <laughs> so oh wow, I'm like, oh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. So um, anyway, if y'all see me at church today and I'm like, hey, how are you today? It's legit. She she means Back it. Then, all right, it was <laughs> she, not. <laughs> she, she's she's legit. <clears throat> so we made it through Thanksgiving, and then what happened at the beginning of December was just a God thing. So our church was about to hire a new pastor, and to do that, they had him come on a Sunday night service to share his testimony, and he shared his testimony and, like, how he got to where he was today and how he felt like the Lord was calling him to our church and for that position that we wanted to hire him for. So at the end of his, uh, at the end of that service, we actually had an altar call, a a ministry time. And one of our students from our ministry went forward for salvation. And I stood there and I was like, what the heck? No way. Because this was the kid that like no matter what kind of trip we went on, if we, went, if we took the kids to Six Flags, if we took them to uh, Mexico, if we took them on anywhere, didn't matter. He was going to witness to people. He was sharing the gospel. People were getting saved. We used to joke and say, if he shared the gospel with the telephone pole, the telephone pole would get saved. That was this kid. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, what in the world? Why is he down there? And, and they say, he tells people, you know, I, I know the Lord's at, uh, calling me for salvation. I know I need to be born again. And as soon as he said that, I heard this, these words, that should have been you. And I was like, what the heck? I don't think so. I've got to get out of this room. So as soon as they said amen, I hightailed it out of that worship center. I had to get out of that room. 
Wow. I went, I grabbed Brett and Allie from the preschool section, uh, and I needed out of that building. I wanted as far away from it as possible, and I went and got in the vehicle. Jeff had no clue where I was. We waited out there for like 15 minutes because he was roaming all over the church trying to find his wife and kids. <laughs> and so, anyway, he finally wanders out to the uh to the vehicle and he's like what are you doing i'm like yeah i'm just tired i just want to go home you know and um so we all hop in the car we take off we go home i'm like yeah everybody's going straight to bed there's no talking no snacking nothing <laughs> mom mom needs to go hide again and that's what i did i went and hide and went to hide in my bed again and i was just like i need everybody just to leave me alone i'm tired of all these voices um I don't know what you're talking about. That should have been you. When I was seven, I prayed a prayer. I was baptized. Uh, you know, you got the wrong address. I just, I need, everybody just be quiet. I'm done. <clears throat> well, it's Christmas season. And that was a Sunday night. And we had something on Monday. We had something on Tuesday. One of, and I don't forget, remember which is which. Uh, one was a citywide uh, church leader, church pastor, uh, Christmas thing. The other one was a church staff Christmas celebration. Yeah, that season's always really busy. Yes. I didn't want to be at either And I was about to say, yeah, you're in the wrong. I was about to say, that season's <laughs> always really busy, especially if you're involved with ministry and you're in this state. And, oh, yeah. I was a mess. And I was like, oh, look at all these people. They're so <laughs> oh, happy. Boo people. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to tell you this. One of the things that crossed my mind as I was looking, especially at the citywide uh, event, I was looking at all these pastors and leaders and uh, I knew a lot of them personally, and I was just thinking to myself, what are these people going to say if they find out that Jeff's wife's not even saved? That's exactly what the enemy wants. I mean, exactly. to, to, to put you in that hole and say, yes. "Don't." yeah, I went through that on baptism. Yeah. And so I was like, I can't do this. I mean, what would that do to his ministry? I mean, it will make him look so stupid. Like, how did you marry a person like that? <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, oh, I just, that's all I could think about through the whole, both events. Um, I was just like, what was, what is this going to do to Jeff's ministry? Uh, I can't, and I kept talking myself into, I was like, no, wait, 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 wait. No, it's not going to do anything to his ministry. Because when I was seven, I prayed that prayer, and then I was baptized. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just depressed. <laughs> so, you know, so this went on for three days, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday morning, December 14th, 1999. Yep, there's the day. <clears throat> I woke up early. I am not a morning person. I'm a night owl. I do not wake up before my husband, who is a morning person. Oh, golly, yeah. None of us can keep up with his early mornings. No, no. You know, stick there, yeah. I woke up so clear-minded and on a mission. And I was like, okay, God. It's me and you. And I took off to the other side of the house. We had a little uh, home office. It was on the opposite side of the house. I snuck out of the room, went down the hall quietly, went in there, <clears throat> grabbed my Bible. Um, I had a track. If you don't know what a track is, a track is just a, um, a, a simple plan of salvation. It walks people through the gospel. And then at the end, it has a prayer, all that good stuff. 
I get down there. I'm, I just sit on the floor. I didn't even sit at the desk. I just sit on the floor. I put my Bible out here. I've got some tracks. I've got um, some other Bible study material. And I'm like, okay, God, tell me, am I or am I not? Am I a Christian or am I lost? Nothing. It's like, okay. Look through the track. I know all these verses. I know this stuff. This isn't helping me. Am I or am I not? And I sit there. <clears throat> and there's nothing. Just silence. <coughs> and so I said, okay. In the Old Testament, you wrote on the wall one time. I just need you to write here on this wall. Yes <laughs> or no? Well, he didn't do that either. So... <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I, how am I going to figure out this answer? I'm, I'm just, I'm so confused. And, and I, I know what I did when I was seven. How is that not good enough? And so um, I'm known for writing in my Bible. I take notes in my Bible because, as Natalie was saying, I'm a little unorganized. So if I write it in a notepad or something, I'll lose the notepad and... But I'm not going to lose my Bible. Well, and that right there is treasure <laughs> yes. to pass on. True, true. So remember, we're doing Romans that year in the Bible study. And so I'm writing notes all through Romans. So I start in chapter 1, and I'm just flipping through here looking at my notes and just reading different things that I had written in the margins. But it, I finally made it to Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But the most important thing is what I wrote here. You cannot have the peace of God until you have peace with God. That's good. And I stopped. I, there was no need to go any further in Romans because I was stuck right there. <clears throat> and so as I thought about it, this is December of 99, so in March, I would have been 27. I prayed a prayer, and I was baptized when I was seven. So I'm coming up on a 20-year mark of walking with the Lord. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, 20 years, what do I have to show for it? And as I looked back over those 20 years, I saw a lot of acting. I saw a lot of doing, um, manufacturing. There was no peace. That's interesting. There, I mean, I could not, there, there could was not right there. You couldn't back. see any peace. I could not find peace. Well, and where you were right there, especially there was, there no, was peace. no peace. There was no peace. There was chaos. There was confusion. There was darkness. There was depression. Um, all those things. And about the moment I came to this realization, Jeff comes walking into the room. Now, he's, he's a little shocked. He's a little concerned because his wife is up before him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he thought he knew something was up, didn't he? And she's sitting on the floor, and she's got Bibles and Bible studies and tracts. And he's like, what are you doing? And I looked up at him and I said, I know what it is. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm not a Christian. 
And he looked at me with the most tender, most kind smile and nodded because he knew. He's good at that. He knew. He's good. But <laughs> advice to husbands and wives, don't ever go up to your spouse and say, you're you know, not saved. If you would just get saved, <laughs> yeah. it would fix yeah. everything. That's bad marital <laughs> advice. Yeah. Yeah. So he knew, but he waited patiently for the Lord to reveal that to me. And so he said, he said, well, you know what you need to do? I said, yeah. And so he knelt down on the floor with me and he held me as I prayed, as I confessed mm, that beautiful. I was a sinner, that without Christ, I'm nothing. And I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I'm a sucker for salvation <laughs> stories. I'm sorry. And I mean, so, I am. I'm a sucker. I always get teared up. And uh, so Jeff will tell you, as I prayed, he said, I, it was like I lost 50 pounds. <laughs> He said, I went from being heavy at the beginning of the prayer to being light as a feather. And it was all the weight of the world's expectations, the weight of my parents' expectations, which it does not, it doesn't make them bad people. No, no, but, no. It, but, but you were carrying, you're trying to carry I all this stuff. I was trying to be what they expected me to be. I was trying to be what um, youth pastors and Sunday school teachers expected me to be. I was trying to be what... Uh, college professors at a Baptist school expected me to be what good little Christian friends at the college campus expected me to be. I was then trying to be this pastor's wife that the church expected me to be. And um, I was trying to be the mom that all these other young moms were watching as an example. I was trying to be what they expected me to be. I was trying to be the friend that these church members needed, someone that they could confide in and find encouragement and yeah. hope. And I couldn't be those things because I didn't have hope. He wasn't living in me. Peace was not in me. Hope was not in me. Life was not in me. So I couldn't be those things, and I was carrying all that weight, all their expectations. I was trying to be Jesus to them, but you can't be that what you don't have. if he's not in you. That's right. So that's, that's beautiful. Man, and so, okay, so th this happens, but did you at any point or shortly thereafter share this story, this, this, this amazing story? Thing that you finally recognized, realized, and did. So that was a Wednesday, December 14th. Uh, we met with the pastor that we were serving with at that church, and I told him the realization I'd come to. That pastor knew that I had called depression what it was. He knew that we, in fact, he was helping us get connected with a good counselor yeah. and to get help. So he knew what predicament I was in and then here I come and I'm like hey I gotta talk to you and I tell him what happened and he was like oh my gosh I was like but you can't tell people I want to be the one that tells people so unfortunately we were on our way out of town because we were going to see Jeff's brother for Christmas so it had to wait until the next Sunday after our trip and so he actually worked me into a sermon I think I was point number three and um, so I go up there, and I told our church family, our church body, uh, what had happened. And uh, that morning, three adults oh, wow. came forward. One was our pianist. 
<laughs> she had been playing piano for the church, I don't know how many years. Um, and then one, I can't remember the third one, but one of the people was, uh, he was at, I believe he was about 89. He was a deacon. Oh, wow. In the church. And they just connected with my story of growing up being growing up in a faith-centered home of knowing the word knowing the bible stories uh, making a hundred on a jesus quiz knowing the roman road knowing everything about the gospel and yet missing it totally missing it and and i w- would tell people i was going to miss eternity by 12 inches because I had all the head knowledge and I was basing it all on procedures, pray a prayer, get baptized. But there had never been a heart change. I was not made new. I was not a new creation. I was not alive. I was not gone. had not come being raised from the dead to life, having my spirit alive. None of that took place. New creation. Yes. And, but on December 14th, 1999, you were transformed. I was made new. Mm -hmm. I was a totally different person afterwards, not just joy and peace, but there were other things. I went from being, um, a very, very introverted person to being confident and bold. Uh, it was a boldness like I'd, I didn't even know it was in me. Well, because it wasn't in me before. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's came straight from Jesus. But you cannot get me off. You cannot make me doubt. You cannot get me off track. I am very confident in the word. I'm very confident in Christ. I know who I am in Christ. You will not change my mind. And I know this word is solid. It is full of life. It is full of truth. And it will change your life. And, I mean, that's just who I am now. You know, that's a beautiful, beautiful story and testimony. <clears throat> and I think we may have to have you back because I'd like, there's some other points that I'd like to talk about, but we're coming up, you know, probably on a pretty, pretty good lengthy podcast. But, and I want to end with one of the most important things. I mean, you just shared your testimony. And I think that somebody's listening to this right now that you do not know Jesus Christ. I have goosebumps right now. I'm thinking about Holy Holy Spirit is all over this thing. My day, she said December 14th, 1999, okay? I'm May 22nd, 1994, um, <clears throat> and I got filled with Holy Spirit almost 10 years after that. Different podcast, another conversation. Yes. Okay, um, but I tell you what, it was, it was, it's important, and you're probably sitting there thinking, well, what do I need to do? First of all, you need to, to it, it begins with belief that Jesus is who he says he is. Actually, it begins with you knowing, find, realizing that you're a sinner. Yes. This is the Roman road. And we're going to just quickly go through it, but that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. That Savior is Jesus Christ. He is everything, everything about that Bible is about Jesus Christ. He was prophesied over in the Old Testament, yes. Isaiah, 700 years before he came. There's prophecy all over it. We're not going to get into all that right now. Jesus is exactly who he said he was. He, was, he died. He came. This is God. He came, he humbled himself in the form of a human body, a vessel. He went through this life and lived a perfect life. And they pinned him on a cross, crucified him, and killed him. And three days later, he conquered death. Yes. That is Jesus Christ. 
in, in Romans 10, 9, I'm going to give you that specific one. But in Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your tongue and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and God raised him from the dead, you are saved. She prayed a prayer. Okay, you can read the scripture, you can say this stuff, but when that, you'll, you'll know, it will resonate with yes. your heart. Your heart will almost leap out of your body. Is, if everybody has different salvation experiences, my, my grandfather, okay, he was wounded by the church. And I know there's people probably listening to this that have been wounded yes. by the church. The church and Jesus are not the same thing, okay? My grandfather, though, found salvation laying on a bank next to a river, and he asked Christ into his heart while he was out there fishing. He finally had that realization. It can happen anywhere. And so if this is you and it resonates with you right now, stop what you're doing. Get on your knees. And I'm going to tell you a prayer and pray it with me. And then don't stop there. Okay. We want to know about this. Yes. And, and this is the most important, the most important decision that you will ever make in your entire life is whether you have a relationship with Jesus, not who you marry, not about your kids, nothing else. you whether you have a relationship with Jesus. If you feel that butterflies, if you feel, if you feel hot, if you feel that, that tug that Melissa talked about, you know, just knowing, then that's you. You've heard him call your name. You've heard him call your name. Mm-hmm. So if that's you, I want you to do a couple of things. First of all, just make a physical action. Get down on your knees. Put your hands in the air. I don't care because I want Satan to know right now that he lost another one. And, and you pray this prayer. And it goes like this, Jesus, I know that you came. God, you sent your only begotten son to die on a cross for my sin, and I am a sinner. I acknowledge that not only am I a sinner, but Jesus, you conquered the grave, and you washed me clean. And I received Jesus Christ. I ask you into my heart, and I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior, And I know that now my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and I choose you. Amen. That's it. That's all you have to do. The next thing I'd really, really ask you to do would be to let us know. Um, Reach out to the church. Come by the church. Um, If you're not a member of our church or going to the church or in our community, then put put a comment. Say, I would like for somebody to to reach out to me. And if you would, then I will— we will reach out to you yes. privately. We won't embarrass you out on the comments. But this is important. You share this conversation and, and let us come beside you and help you in that next step in your walk, in your new faith. Well, Melissa, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your transparency. And golly, it's beautiful. I, I don't think I hardly said anything tonight. I was just, I was mesmerized by your story and it's choked Jesus up a little story. bit. Yeah, and I, I think it might be one of the first times I cried on the podcast. I, I don't know. But anyway, all right, well, it's out there now. (laughs) Anyway, I just want to tell you guys that we thank you all for tuning in. Um, Tell your friends, like, and subscribe. If this has ministered to you in any way, please share this, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.